1: This is a rock and roll
2: museum.
1: You guys don't belong in
2: here. They ranted.
1: They fainted. Their eyes were glassy. Some pulled their hair out. Some tore their dresses. They threw notes of a very... uh, undesirable nature on the stage. I'll tell you all about it.
0: Welcome to Long Play, a podcast where nerds rock out with their spock out.
3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Long Play number three. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with Luke, Jack,
0: and Eddie. Hey everybody, how are we doing tonight?
3: And we are doing an album that was Luke's um, suggestion, and I jumped right on it because I love this album. You want to tell them what it is?
0: Yeah, we're going to be uh, looking at something a lot more modern than the last two episodes. We're taking a look at an album that came out just last year in 2013 and actually won the Grammy... For album of the year and so of course i'm talking about uh, daft punk's album random access memories and uh this is an album i think that that fits well on this show because you know um on on the last episode you and bob talked about uh you know the concept of the show it's called long play because we're looking at albums yes you know and this one especially in today's day and age when everything is built around the single and digital downloads Mm -hmm. this is a this is a true album it's meant to be listened to as a whole preferably on vinyl oh my god
3: this sounds so beautiful on vinyl
0: yeah, this this is definitely an analog record, which is funny cuz it's coming from an electronic dance music duo whose persona is that of robots.
3: Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's it's they're this futuristic band and this album is is so rooted. It's I mean, it's modern sounding, but it well, it's it sounds like several different time periods, but it is definitely rooted in the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. Big time. Oh yeah. And and I, uh, and I like that you said that. That was one of my big notes is this is a true album. The the songs are placed in an order and to, you know, and when I say flow into each other, it's not like they segue into each other, but each song sets a tone and it's has that that feel of a classic album where, you know, maybe you don't feel exactly that you've been told a story but it's sort of the feel of it tells a story through it and, and this really does that and it and it reflects the um, the name of the album all the way through it
0: yeah the the name random access memories one of the uh, one of the duo it's uh, Thomas Banghletier and uh, I'm always get the other guy's name wrong uh, where is it oh it's a uh, relative guy, oh. guy, yeah guy Manuel de Oman Cristo well, Thomas Banglaterre, he said that the, it comes from the idea that, you know, the way that a, a random access memory works, that data is stored in a random way on a computer, and that it's looked up in, you know, in the, the symbol, not in the symbol table, but in the hash table, and that's how memory is stored. It's not stored in any ordered way, and that's the way that our memories are, that a lot of our memories are stored in a random way, and that this is to evoke an emotional response based on, you know, sensory memory.
3: Boy, it and sure I, does.
0: Yeah, it really does, and and this, you know, uh, and I'm I'm not a big. I'm going to use it to throw the term out there, I said it earlier, electronic dance music or EDM, and I'm not a huge EDM fan. You know, I, I like uh, Motley Crue as a song where they say, two guitars, bass, and drums, and that's all you need, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, I was exposed to Daft Punk when I was in college with their, they did a uh, a series of uh, animated videos for songs off their album Discovery. Yep. This, this eventually became the full-length animated film Interstellar 555. Five. There's five. Yeah, there's four fives in there. Secret of the, <laughs> secret of the stolen star system. Whatever. Whatever it is, and uh, and so I got into. I I liked that album a lot, but I never really got into them that much. You know, I, I was aware of them. I liked that album, but when I started seeing the hype on this one and who they were working with, you know, that they were working with Nile uh, Nile uh, Rodgers oh. and uh, Paul Williams and Giorgio Moroder, and you know, I was like, okay, I've got to check this out. And and the result is astounding.
3: Yeah. And and actually, I think my first real exposure, conscious that I knew I was listening to Daft Punk, was I think you sent me a link to one of those animated. videos It yes. was a long form animated video,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, and I was like, "This is some pure ear candy." And then I did, and then I was like, I, "And I'd heard of the band, but I thought they were a punk rock band or something." Or when, <laughs> they, when they were electronic, I thought it was going to be the type stuff. So I wasn't really too interested. But then when the um, Tron Legacy came out and the Tron Legacy soundtrack, I just got hooked on it and listened to it all the time because Mm -hmm. they're more reminiscent to me of like a Tangerine Dream than modern electronic music. It's very atmospheric, but they're more, they're dancier than like a lot of the, like, you know, Tangerine Dream and Mm -hmm. that, that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and,
3: and go ahead. It's ju- it was just immediately attractive music. And the Tron Legacy soundtrack was more pure electronica. But this has, you know, this has guitars. It's got guitars, horns, strings, you know, in yes. House pianos, mm-hmm. and, uh, choruses of children.
0: And live drums. It, yes. it's, it's an electronic album with, with live drums. And we'll get into this as we get into the songs. But just real quick regarding Tron Legacy. Uh, for you know, Tootsie uh, Freaks listeners that maybe might not have realized this, or may not have ever listened to Daft Punk, the uh, the MP3 programs, the DJs, in Tron Legacy, that is Daft Punk in their robotic costumes. That uh, they have a real quick cameo in there. But uh, so I always thought that was funny that the uh, you know the two robotic DJs are the MP3 programs in in the tron uh universe
3: <laughs> i put uh, i i put on the facebook page before we recorded this episode i was trying to see if anybody would guess which album we were gonna do so i put up a video from uh chic for niall rogers <laughs> nerd for uh Pharrell, um and a, a clip from tron legacy with them in the dj booth yeah and who well, i think i put um maniac in there for Giorgio <laughs> Jer- marauder yeah. And nobody, so far as of recording this, nobody's yeah, nobody. like, oh, it's Daft Punk
2: yet. So.
3: <laughs> nobody said anything. So I don't know if they thought I was just being random and saying, oh, it might be one of these bands. And then they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to hear. Yeah. The Flash dance soundtrack.
0: <laughs> well, you know, you you did just post the Chris versus Drugs episode, so That's maybe true. Thinking, you
3: know. <laughs> I'm going to be hearing about that. I'm going to be getting referenced and called out on that for months now. Yeah, for years, forever, because it's just it's on the it's internet
0: out, now. It's out there now. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but things get started off um, in kind of with a, a thesis or statement of purpose with the first track, which is give life back to music.
3: song just starts out with an explosion of pop wonderful it's it it reminds me of discovery slash out of the blue era ELO. Mm-hmm. just this you know a great sort of bombastic beginning with a nice synthy like sort of swishy wind sound and um and then boom Nile Rodgers yeah and there's just no I, I mean i think one of his trademark is he always uses the same guitar and i think his other trademark is that he's insanely awesome because when it, and it's not you know crazy um, masterful guitar it is masterful in a way but it's not like you know you're Eddie Van Halen it's yeah. just very this very tight precision chanka shwanka chank and I don't know how involved he was in the production of the songs that he was on, but they have that warm '80s sound that would be in his productions.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and give life back to music. It's 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 a strange juxtaposition. It really sets the tone for the album because it's it's a robotic vocal. It's the vocals put through a a, a vintage vocoder. But then, with you know, real, so to speak, music with live drums, live guitar, played in the studio, Even not sample
3: crowd noise, thrown in.
0: Yeah. So whereas previously Daft Punk would have just simply built the rhythm out of a sa- out of a drum machine and a sampled guitar here. They brought artists into the studio and then recorded, recorded them playing and then used that as their basis to build their beats and to build the song off of. So it, it sounds completely different from anything that that we've heard from them before, and it really is this this marriage of the uh, the artificial and the real, and it's 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 a wonderful introduction to the album. And as you said, the uh, you know Rogers guitar on this it it immediately transports you to a different time, you know it's not you're listening to that i don't care if you're you know in your car if you're at work if you're walking on your lunch break with your headphones on you are someplace else when you start hearing the those of the 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 mix of that guitar yeah. and that drum right there
3: well there's some i mean it's it, all of a sudden it's i don't know whether to have memories of the 70s or the 80s mm-hmm. i mean because because nile rogers i mean he was in chic um I mean, the guitar on this is almost exactly the same as the guitar in that Diana Ross I'm Coming Out song. Yeah. Um, But then in the 80s, he was on like David Bowie albums, Peter Gabriel, he was producing Madonna. He basically, that first Duran Duran album has him all over it, doing the Gremlins soundtrack and B 52s and Steve Winwood. So. He was just a really big influence on the sound of the 70s and 80s. I think especially the 80s. I think in the 80s was when he was just getting jobs as the super producer over and over again. And, you know, then 20, 30 years have passed, but people are starting to realize the guy's still. I mean, I've seen interviews with him recently, and he's still at the top of his game. You know, yeah. he's, he's sharp as a tack mm-hmm. and, and always has been. So hopefully this will see a, a new uh, crop of of Nile Rodgers working with people.
0: Yeah. And uh, the and I mentioned this before, but this song really has a very simple lyrical theme, which is, you know, um, take the music, let the music of your life give life back to music. And I think this is a very, you know, in, in one sense that 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 a, that an album with this statement one of Grammy's a little a little suspect, <laughs> you know, because it because it, it I mean really they're calling out the artificiality of the music industry, which is you know I mean that's the main reason why so many of us are not into mainstream music anymore. Well, As there's no you know there's um, there, there's there's an into, there's an honesty about this album which is not there on what on the kind of stuff that normally wins awards for mainstream album of the year, pop record of the year, whatever you want to call it. It's you know, it, it, it takes a group of, of of robots to make a record that doesn't sound artificial. Well, that's what I'm,
3: I'm saying. This this this, this robot or this robot this album is so. Um, I don't want to say it's not organic. It's more organic than their other stuff, but it's soulful. It, yeah. it, it's a, it's it's truly emotional and it's warm, and that's not what you usually associate with this kind of music and i think once you put those real drums in there i think people connect to that human yeah. mm. feel to it which makes this instantly yeah that nile rodgers and instantly the radio is going to perk up with this you know yeah. sort of stuff and mm. i mean this really proves that they've got a great sense of those mid tempo hooks yeah you know and a night and, the, and they set down a nice groove And it's funny, this is quote-unquote dance music, but the kind of dancing that you're going to be doing for 90% of this album is very low-key, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's more sort of sitting, funking out, nodding your head music or maybe like a slow dance type thing. But it just has that feeling of human warmth to it. Mm Mm-hmm. And... uh, just out of out of nowhere. I, I mean, I've listened to it maybe four times in the last 24 hours in preparation. Well, par, uh, partially in preparation for this, more of just an excuse to li- to <laughs> listen to it. And right. It's just it's it's amazing. It reminds me. It's reminding me more and more of a lot of my favorite albums of of all yeah. time.
0: And the and, and you said that this kind of straddles the line. This song between whether you should be nostalgic for the 1970s or the 1980s and and the vibe i get from that very much in line with those two decades this is a light song but it's very well produced yes it's and and ultimately the message is that and and what it sets the tone for the album is you know listen and have fun you know it's not like uh you know an an album where it's it's important you know or something like that this is bring life back to music have fun music used to be something that you would sit in the living room and put a record on the turntable and that's what you were doing you were yes. listening to a record now mute the the nature of digital music and I'm not and I'm not on, ripping on digital music formats because it's revolutionized the way we listen to music but now a lot of us walk through the day with our own soundtrack in our head and yes. and we can jump to whatever we want to fit our mood it, the the concept of the album of sitting as something that we're going to experience as a whole we've gotten away from that and this is a total throwback to that and and it go ahead this, yeah this is
3: this is music to play and listen to with other people during a party or it's 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 meant to be socialized with it's there there's only one song on here really arguably two songs where it's like, okay, pay attention to the lyrics, you know, mm-hmm. or pay attention to something that's being said at some point. But for the most part, part it's and you know, any lyrics are just sort of repetitive and anthemic.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, yep, and that that brings us right into the second uh, track, which is the game of love.
3: very this sounds like late period yellow when he dispensed oh, yeah. with the with the orchestra and it was pretty much a you know jeff lynn and, and bev bevan the drummer yeah and uh it just has that that mid tempo and it's like oh here's a vocoder again I, I and this is where i was starting to suspect the first time i heard it that like maybe we're not going to hear any like voices not through a vocoder. And it's great because the vocoder is so reminiscent of auto-tuning, right? But it's exactly. a throwback. So the my first impression when I first heard the um, radio hit on this was, oh, here we go, auto-tuning. And then I'm like, wait, no, that's vocoder. Yeah. yeah. That, okay, I like that.
0: You know. Yeah. You still and, have and, to be in tune to sing in vocoder. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that the thing about auto-tune to me is that auto-tune takes the human voice and in trying to improve it makes it robotic. Yes,
3: it, it Whereas, sucks an amount of soul out of it by digitizing it and turning it
0: right. squares. Whereas with the vocoder here, you've got a voice that's robotic. But again, like you said, you have to be in tune now it sounds like a robot voice trying to become more human. It's it's almost the opposite of auto tune, from a at least in maybe not a technical sense, but in a, a an emotional response sense. Yeah, it's what it is. Because when I hear, uh, let, me, let me give me give an example. There's on on his album Welcome Number Two, My Nightmare by Alice Cooper. Not Welcome to My Nightmare, the the original, but the the follow up one he did. He has a song where he starts out in auto tune at the beginning of it. And I, I was like, why the hell does Alice Cooper need autotune? You know, it's like the coop can sing. He doesn't need autotune. But then you see that as the song progresses, the autotune goes away. And so it's done for a thematic effect. And that's, that's what this reminded me of. You know, you've got, uh, you know, a, a robotic electronic voice singing about heartbreak. And, try, and, it, and it's a very humanist sort of uh, song but with again with this artificial voice instead of trying to make a a human voice sound more perfect it's making a robot voice less imperfect yeah. well i mean it's almost like
3: transhumanist philosophy where where the human and the the robot are merging, and or or you know or the, the the robot where it used to be like synclaviers and sequencers where you'd program in the notes and stuff now it's starting to get a little soul to it you know even mm-hmm. though it is it is a human voice putting the soul into that vocoder thing, symbolically it's almost like you know the the computer is is starting to sing to you and mean it, you know.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this is a this and and again we come to bring it back the live drumming, and not a drum machine. I mean I love drum machines. Don't get me wrong, but there there's something about having a drummer there in the studio. That just brings, the word we're going to keep coming back to is warmth, and that's, I think, appropriate because as we were discussing where this is a record that you really want to listen to on vinyl, that's always the adjective that gets thrown around with vinyl, you know, by the audiophiles is, oh, you get the warmth from listening to the, uh, uh, you know, listening to it on vinyl. It's the same kind of thing where you hear photographers talking about shooting on film versus digital. You know, that, that the yes. analog aspect, the imperfections is what gives it the sensation of warmth. And that's what, again, that's what the drums do here. I could I could hear a song like this by Daft Punk on, say, Discovery era, where it would have been done with a drum machine, and it would have been a good song, but it's it wouldn't have been as unique as this one.
3: Yeah, it would have sounded like the... It, it, it reminds me of a lot of times when you hear a demo track by a band and, you know, one person in the band sat down and they've hooked up the drum machine and put their drum part in, but it, it, there's, and I have no doubt, though, that whoever the drummers were in this, they were playing to a click track because it's Mm -hmm. tight studio drumming. But the thing about it is, is a drum, you know, they're playing a drum set, too. So it's it's a skin on a round surface. They're not going to hit it exactly in the same place at exactly the same angle. And those little... It's almost like... Oh, I can't remember what they call it, though, Like the unreal effect of CGI where no matter how oh, close... Oh, the, un-
0: the uncanny valley.
3: The uncanny valley. there's There's an uncanny valley with electronic music and stuff, too, where if you wanted to go into that electronic drum beat... You could probably go, uh, you could definitely go through it and sort of go, okay, I want to program variation in the, you know, microscopic variation, subliminal variation in the way that the drumstick hits and you could have all that, but it would be so much work. And right. so basically, you know, that's why they put Andy Circus in, in the suit. <laughs> so, exactly. So, this was basically bringing Andy circus and mm-hmm. it it completely works it and not only does it sound warm but it sounds late night, yeah sounds like late night radio or yeah being up late but, at night being somewhere mm-hmm. somewhere in the wee hours, which a lot of old yellow always evoked mm-hmm. in me and a lot of the music produced in the seventies and the eighties had that sort of just sort of in, in the eighties, every video that was sort of mid tempo, warm synthy always had that was bathed in blue light. So I always associate yeah. <laughs> it with blue light,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, like, uh, uh, what's love got to do with it. That's in the, the Africa by Asia. Those are like yeah. my two side as late night synth, 80s, warm-sounding songs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, talk about uh, synth. Uh, our our next song is by the man who probably introduced all of us to the synthesizer the and is entitled Giorgio by Maroder.
1: I didn't have any idea what to do, but I knew I needed a click, so we put a click on the 24 track, which then was synced to the Moog modular. I knew that
3: And yeah, and it is basically a little little history lesson, A little introduction to Giorgio Moroder with him in his own words. I love that. So uh, something. So it's this is the first sign that this isn't going to be your normal pop album. Mm-hmm. It's just packed with your candy and hits. It's going to have a little bit of, you know, it's. I, I wouldn't say that by this point it's experimental, but it's not something you normally hear in pop music with. And I love where he goes, you know, and I guess I just was going to start with a click track. Yes. They put the little click in there. Click track there, yeah. Start the click track going, and then, bam, you're hit with full Giorgio Moroder, you know, oscillating, you know, circling, swirling, mm-hmm. um, synthesizer awesomeness.
0: Yeah, what, I, uh, what, what this song made me think of is I took... I took a uh, seminar class when I was at in college, It's entitled, History of the Future, and, and that's what, what this made me think, because this is the, the retro future sound. You know, Marauder, uh, in, in the spoken word segment, he talks about that, how he wanted to make a record with the sounds of the 50s, the sounds of the 60s, the sounds of the 70s, and then the sound of the future, and that it occurred to him that the synthesizer was the sound of the future. And so that you know, so when when we were growing, when I was growing up, especially in the '80s, this was the futuristic sound. Yes. And so it, again, it makes me think of the history of what the future was was sought to be. And uh, and and again, the live instruments give such a such a sense of depth. There's a string section that comes in right around about the five minute mark, right before he Arora says his line is, "Once you have no preconception about what music can be, it can be anything." And then that and that string section is, is is radically different from anything we've gotten on the previous tracks. And it, it just, again, and it's radically different from the rest of this song, but it all kind of, it all uh, you know, uh, it all works together. It all kind of complements e- each other and it creates this rousing, you know, uh, towering Marauder uh, synth soundtrack that sounds like it could have been written in 1982. Yeah. It's got. It reminds
3: me of um, um, Syner- this band, Synergy, mixed with um, with a uh, Tangerine Dream, about... a little bit that sequencer <laughs> oh, stuff, and Giorgio Moroder, another person who's just like. Evokes the 70s and the 80s, you know. I mean, the 70s would like, I, I think Midnight Express was a 70s movie, and like, yeah, he but he was like the soundtrack to Scarface that Cat People with David mm-hmm. and, and weird stuff like the never ending story. Yeah. And he did, I, 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 in doing a little research for this, I found out he did the soundtrack to Lenny Reifenstahl's last movie. Really? Yeah. Huh.
0: I did not know that.
3: <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Either. I believe it was like in the late 80s or something like mm. that. Yeah. i have to look that
0: one up. But, uh, and, and then the, the, uh, the other thing, I, I, I didn't really catch this so much on the first listen through, but towards the end of the song, you know, the, the, the drum pickups, they start getting like a scratchy sort of sound to them. Mm-hmm. What, what I think... Uh, you know a, a reviewer for the new yorker or, or billboard magazine might call an urban sound and and so again it starts to take on a different sort of personality there as it gets rougher and rougher around the edges as we we build towards the finish and that's an interesting transition because you know marauder's work like like all real good synth work is really crisp yeah and and so we're adding a scratchy another kind of add, almost like a deterioration to the to the sound a little bit.
3: And yeah, but even when the sound deteriorates and and layers and layers on this, it never gets muddy or muddled. It's got mm. that crisp production that it it's great headphone music.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you yeah. listening to this at work is is a little is it's fun but it's a little dangerous that you don't start, you know, pang- pounding your uh your your hands on the on the desk in front of you to the beat or anything you know
3: that's funny i should look on youtube there's got to be lots of videos of people doing funny stuff at, <laughs> at, at their jobs with their coworkers filming them with their yeah. buds in <laughs> well
0: the uh our the next song is actually kind of a transitional one and it's titled within has uh chili gonzalez playing piano and after uh, a tour de force of synth music we have a very simple piano composition and what the the note the, the kind of feeling i got from this is uh this really has the type of composition i'd expect from like a singer-songwriter from the yes. you know, mid-70s like a you know that 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 whole sound where it's very kind of straightforward you know just uh the, the lyrics have a bit of meaning to them, but they're, they're a very kind of easy to understand concept. And it's really just about the, the singing in this one. But again, even though it's a vocoder, uh, vocoder, is that a, is that a word? A vocoder. It's uh, cool. uh, but it's, again, it's this very, I guess a very kind of simple, quiet uh, piano piece.
3: Yep. And, and once again, by this time I was pretty much convinced. I'm like, Every song on this is going to be mid-tempo. It's going to have that same sort of mid-tempo feel, which I remember hearing a lot of complaints about this album, that it was very repetitive, which I don't see at all. No. It, I, I mean, it doesn't have much variation in like the speed, the time signature <laughs> of each song. But the feel of everything, there's a lot of similarities, but there's always subtleties and always a... a a different feel you know and, and at first listen first few listens I was ready to write this one off as being kind of fillery but mm-hmm. uh, as I listen to it more as I listen to the whole album more and more I don't think there's a, a, an ounce of fat on it at all no.
0: you you can tell that they've worked on this album for a number yes yeah and yeah I, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, I mean I, I really I really enjoy this song again this is the first one other than, I mean, Marauder's uh, interview is very interesting to listen to, but that's not really lyrics. Right, right. This is the first one where the lyrics, I think, really are important. And uh, the line is that there's so much that I don't know. You know, again, being sung almost by uh, uh, an android. You know, and it's it it's, it speaks again to the you know the the nature of trying to what you know achieving the robot achieving humanity, which is kind of the loose very tenuous theme that we get a lot through this this album but i i really like this one the interesting thing about this song also it's it's in a different key and uh the first three songs are all i believe in the key of a and so with with within the key changes and that is now the key for the rest of the album so it really is very much a transitional uh huh. song it's it's is it it's a minor sh- key
3: because it is a kind of minory sound yeah song. it is
0: it, i believe it is it, it's it's the shortest track on the album by almost a full minute and and like i said yeah. like i said it it, it, it says like okay we've gotten the you know th- this is this, this this is kind of this part of the album and now we're moving into the second phase of the album with this one
3: and like a lot of my favorite albums when you start getting into this middle middle ground on an album a lot of times that's where um on a weaker album they'll throw the weak stuff and on a stronger album like this they'll throw a lot of the meat in in here
0: yeah and that's definitely what we get here
3: and this is yeah where we get in the meat and the the meat and the the hardcore candy usually <laughs> in that middle section of it yeah
0: middle and, uh, third that, mm-hmm. and and the middle third this album starts off with uh instant crush <laughs> On this are by uh, Julian Casablancas, who I believe is the lead singer of the Strokes. Right? Oh, I I wouldn't know. Uh, I wouldn't either. It's not really my scene. But uh, uh, but again, the but here again, the lyrics are yes, lead singer of the of the Strokes. But uh, you know, again, I, I in, this is the first real song in the album that I could see how this would work as an EDM song. Uh huh. If you you take this, you you speed up the tempo a little bit. You you put in the. The drum machine instead of the, the you know uh, the, the the live drums, and I can see how this would fit on Discovery. And this is but, this
3: is ready for the twelve-inch dance
0: yeah. remix version. But as it stands, I I absolutely love this song. Uh, I I this is this version of it to me is better than anything I, it could have been as an EDM song. And again, that's that's partly bringing my bias into it. Uh-huh. But this. this song to me just completely comes together every part of it the the lyrics the 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 actual delivery of the lyrics the guitar work all of it is just fantastic it it really is and uh and and we get some really great the guitar solo in the bridge i absolutely love it's it's just fabulous you know there's not a whole lot i mean there's a lot of kind of uh you know, riffs and grooving on, on this. There's not a lot of straight solos, but that one is just is just fantastic.
3: I I, I thought out of all the songs, this one was the most evocative of 80s radio, 80s mm-hmm. pop radio, top 40 radio. Yeah, the best aspects of it.
0: Oh yeah, and and uh, yeah, at the at the rapid fire delivery of especially the chorus that Casablanca's gives through the vocoder it, it's a little the first time you hear it you're not going to understand what the, what he's saying because it's too fast and it's too digital but the second or third time then you start picking up on it and then you start understanding a little bit of the kind of melancholy of, of the lyrics here you know and uh, and the lyric that i and there's there's a lot of you know little snippets of great lyrics on this album and the one that i love is uh, i listen to your problems now listen to mine i don't want to anymore and it's, and it's, again, it, it just speaks to a, a longing, you know, again, a, a desire for human interaction. And and like you said, it's very uh, very evocative, again, like you said, of 80s pop, the best parts of 80s pop.
3: I'm surprised there wasn't a single. I don't think this was a... I, I haven't heard it on any of the pop radio stations at work.
0: No, but it's, which is amazing. You, you'd think that, again, with Casablanca's on there, right. that this would want to be a single. Uh, I The... Uh, one thing again that's interesting about this song, and, and this gets back to something that, you know, uh, comes up every now and again that lyrics you know, you write melody before you write lyrics, generally. You know. And and sometimes what the lyrics for the song are may not necessarily be the emotional response that you get from actually listening to the song. And and this this album came out last year, came out right around the time that my that my daughter was born. And about a month before she was born and so i first heard instant crush when she was you know maybe i don't know a week and a half old and so in my mind i every time i hear instant crush i think about my daughter right that about how i had the instant crush i fell in love with her the minute i saw her and so that is what this you know and uh will never be alone again because you know that that type of lyric in the song that's what it, it creates this response and this to me gets back to what we were talking about earlier when this is a record that you listen to actively that you sat and you and you listen to the whole album and it wasn't just a soundtrack it was something that was meant to be listened to and appreciated in, in not a passive way but an active way and it creates those sorts of uh, you know the I don't want to say mental links, but it creates sure. those sort of associations in your mind.
3: Yeah, it literally becomes part of the soundtrack of your life, which is a really cheesy sort of phrase, but <laughs> when it when it when it's real, it's it, it's that's why it, when you get the great the great albums. Yeah. I I really think this album is going to be like this one's going to stand the test of time. Of, yeah, of, and I think gr-
0: it's songs like this that that'll help that. You know? Yes. <laughs> another another just great little production bit I love in this. I love the the little beeps on the outro. I don't know what else you'd call that. The but da but a ba that that just little touches like that, you know. It's just, just make it make it stand out.
3: Well now the next one This one definitely ended up on the radio. <laughs> Look at this as sort of the minor radio hit. It's the "Lose Yourself to Dance" with uh, with uh Pharrell, Pharrell Williams,
0: yeah, the, as, and Nile uh, Rogers. and Nile Rogers, both of them together. And and this is this is the counterpart to the single, which we'll get to in a in a in a little bit. To me, yeah, like I said it, it, you're right. This is kind of the minor radio one because it's it's like an EDM song but with actual drums and guitars in it. Yeah, you know. And, uh, and and I mentioned Alice Cooper earlier, and I'll and I'll talk about the coop again. And the coop says that disco will never die, and this is a disco song.
3: Yeah, this I I have uh, I I wrote down ear candy, and then I crossed it out and wrote booty candy on it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no vocoder on Pharrell. No, straight straight human lyrics. Um, and and what's what's funny is that I mean again, very simple song very simple lyrics but wonderfully produced and the connection to disco i think i think makes sense because you know i mean i, I, I was born in 1980 i grew up in the 80s heating <laughs> disco was like a national pastime yeah you know by that time and, yeah <laughs> but the thing about disco that that a lot of them you know a lot of folks my age don't may or may not necessarily realize is that, you know, um, we think about the personalities of the performers in disco, but really, when you get down to disco music, it was a producer's Mm shot. It wasn't so much necessarily about the vocal talent or the playing talent of of the artists involved, as it was of the producers able to create something that you could dance to, you know, based on what they had to work with. And so I think here, with the very strong production we've gotten on this album, you get, again, a very simple song with a very simple lyrical theme, but you can totally be up on the dance floor dancing to this. And the music video for this is exactly that. It's Pharrell Williams and Nile Rodgers and the rest of the band up on stage with just panning around in a circle of them on the stage with the crowd dancing. That's all it is, and that's all it needs to be. That's what the song is. It's get up and dance. lose yourself to dance. Yep, simplicity,
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is always one one of the best components for dance music. Unless you're doing some like complicated African rhythm <laughs> stuff, you know it or that. But yeah, for the dance floor, for the masses to dance, this is has everything. This has every everything you need for the dance floor and for you know the for radio um, saturation, basically. Yeah. And, and deservedly it really so.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a good track. Just because it's simplistic doesn't mean it's not good. You know, um, part of it, I think, with with this show, and and you and uh, Bob talked about this with Devo, is that what makes a rock album is a very tenuous sort of definition. You know, uh, one of, one of my one of my favorite albums of all time is the first album from Christopher Cross, and I read a review of that. So the only problem with this album is that it's a light rock album that is a light rock album. You know. And, and and here again, the only problem with this disco song is that it's a disco song. It's like there's nothing wrong with that if that's what it wants to be, which is what it clearly does. And uh, and, and, and then we we get a, a great little bit of kind of classic Daft Punk with "Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on" sampled in there at the in the back half of the song. Great use of the stereophonic sound, also as the commands go from one side of your head to the other as you listen.
3: Well, what i'm really glad is that in in the 70s there was the in 80s it was the hate disco period then in the 90s and there was a sort of ironic appreciation of disco and now we've gone beyond that to where there's no irony in it you know when yeah. when a discos evoked people are like oh this is really cute and cheesy you know they're just, they're like yeah makes me want to dance we've we've finally as a society distilled the essence of it accepted it and learned to love it without being you know without hating it at the same time i guess yeah
2: yeah so, Having been, i'm really glad yeah. to
3: hear that because finally it, you know it's just being utilized as an element without any baggage on it yeah bad baggage right. it's got good baggage <laughs> of being reminiscent of the 70s and 80s and all that stuff but
0: yeah it's that's very true and like I said you know it, disco was there, there was a reason it became so popular yeah. you know there, there, there's something to that
3: <laughs> yeah yeah and I mean now, just like any other genre there was a ton of crappy disco yeah and so you know but what, you know if you really start digging through it and you start finding the, the bands that were written like Chic that were just mm-hmm. fantastic or
0: yeah absolutely now if you want to talk about nostalgia for the nineteen seventies.
3: Oh, here we go. This is your song right this here. This
0: is my song. This is the first song I heard off this album. And as soon as I heard this, I said, it must be mine, and that is Touch, featuring the incomparable Paul Williams on vocals. <laughs>
1: Pictures came with touch A painter in my mind Tell me what you see A tourist in a dream A visitor, it seems
0: And first off, this... Paul Williams' influence on on Daft Punk, I've read various interviews with them where they talk about the fact that my favorite film Phantom of the Paradise was a major influence on them as artists because of the idea of everyone wearing a mask. Because one of the themes that De Palma develops in Phantom of the Paradise is that everyone is wearing a mask of some sort in that film, whether a literal mask in the case of the Phantom or Swan in the finale, or the mask of their persona, like uh, some of the other characters. The idea of of wearing the mask to eliminate the artist from the music and simply uh, the music, Phil, but listen to the music. And that that's what was a big influence on them. So bringing in Williams here on this album that's drenched in the 1970s and 80s seems like kind of a no-brainer. The very beginning of this uh, song with Williams' voice being all distorted and echoey is a direct and intentional reference to Phantom of the Paradise in the scene where Swan rebuilds Winslow's voice using the uh, the production board. And his voice starts out as a staticky echo. And then Williams adjusts the filters and Dolby's and pitch until he it's Paul Williams' voice that's coming out of the Phantom. And that's kind of the same thing we get here. It starts out with that harsh intro and then snap. And it's, it's like it's 1974. And I can see young Paul Williams with his big bushy hair yeah. singing, Touch, I remember, touch. Pictures came with touch. Not and bad, it's like man, oh, Not my. bad. Yeah, I I practice singing Paul Williams a lot, but man, I mean that is that's 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 1974 yeah. Paul Williams A and Records right there, you know. And it and it immediately is like oh, it just jumps you right back. Whether you were alive then or not, And I wasn't, but it brings me back to listening to to Williams and all of his classic stuff, even whether he's singing it or not. And man, this is. The, the vulnerability in this song, and Williams talked about. In they did release a series of YouTube videos called the Collaborators, where they talked uh, with all the different artists who collaborated with Daft Punk on this on this record. And the one with Williams, he talks about how he always thought his best lyrics came when he allowed himself to be vulnerable, and not when he was you know pumped up on look at me, I'm president of Azcap, uh, you know I was on Carson more than anyone else, da 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 da. When he lets himself be just a, a man and be vulnerable is when he creates his best stuff and that is what touch is all about is that that vulnerability at least in the first segment there's a lot of different parts to this song yeah
3: it's it's <laughs> kind of meat loafian and it's uh, performance and execution
0: mm. and uh, but you know that, that the, the second part where them you know, said, just the the clean vocals very sort of low key and then right around the three minute 22nd mark we start, uh, there, there's a bit of a, there's a couple of drum hits and so we move right into the most, to me, what is the most kind of AM radio 70s sound on the album. And I said it before, it's A&M Records with the uh, the, the light drums, the piano, there's some flute in there, there's some saxophone. And I, I don't know if Williams is playing the piano on that track, but it sure as hell sounds I was like
3: just going to say, I, I'm pretty sure it's him. It's got that, ha- he has this sort of Happy piano sound. Yeah, they even the... when you play sad piano, it's still got a little <laughs>
0: happiness to it. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, he'll he'll juggle the notes at the end of it, yeah. like, da, 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 like yeah. that, and yeah. it's like, and that and uh, but that is oh man, that's that's great. And and uh, from there we go into the, the chorus with with the uh, the very kind of cosmic-y sounding chorus and the strings, you know, to give it this this kind of epic feel yep. to it. And and again, we're getting back to a a very simple lyrical theme. Love is the answer. Is is there any more, you know, uh, singers, you know, uh, 1970s AM radio message than love is the answer? Well, this is also another thing that
3: in a lot of great albums, especially with ones that are sort of thematic like this. And this one so far has been kind of thematic in its simplicity. Mm -hmm. And then boom. (laughs) here we go right from the mid like this would like it I I picture if this was a record this might be the second song on side two right or the or maybe even the first song on side side two two, yeah and uh and it's not simple it's epic and many and you know in many parts and very you know dramatic it's very um you know theatrical Mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. Paul Williams is. Yeah. So and it's unlike anything else on the album yet it still got the same that same sound to it. It's just uh, I, my my first note was this is perfect, but how the hell did it happen which you sort of I- I explained in the beginning. Cuz yeah. I was just like how how did you know is this something like they were in the same cafeteria somehow just by <laughs> some fluke and they were like oh you should totally be on one of our albums yeah <laughs> but your, yeah, well, yours makes a lot more sense
0: yeah yeah but yours is funnier though and the and uh actually during the the grammy speech for uh, album of the year when this won uh, paul williams actually was the one who did the majority of the speaking because obviously um Daft Punk don't uh, Bang- Banglatter and Diolmam Cristo don't speak in public. They only they will speak through you no, know, vocoders or uh, you know they'll they'll write messages, but they won't speak with their regular voices in public as part Do of. Do they persona. always
3: wear the robot heads?
0: There were a very early in their career. They did not. There exist pictures of them okay. as a duo where they weren't. But pretty much since as far long as I've been aware of them, which goes back to. When they did um, around the world back when I was in high school, they've always worn the mask. So
3: they got a little bit of Kiss and uh, the Residents yeah. going on there.
0: Mm-hmm. The the only the, the difference between them and, and Kiss is that from what I understand, they've they've often said that the one of the purposes of the mask was to allow them to separate themselves from their work so that they could walk around wherever and they'll never be recognized. Yeah, you know
3: that's that's Which, pretty there's cool. There's something
0: to be said for that. It's a
3: pretty good idea. Yeah.
0: But at that acceptance speech, you know Williams is, is great because you got you got this um, this ridiculous looking crew out there. First off, the the presenter of the award is Yoko Ono, okay, and then you got you got Pharrell Williams up there, you've got uh, Nile Rodgers up there wearing a hat that I think Nile Rodgers wearing a hat that looks like he stole it from Smokey the Bear. Uh huh. And you got Daft Punk up there in in pure white suits with their robot masks on, and then Paul Williams it's like this sounds like the setup of a joke this is know? a
3: free and this is i love weird music and music that's not I, I not that this is this is mainstream music but it's mainstream yeah. just because it's so good it's become mainstream and and situations like that make my day i <laughs> i didn't I, I haven't seen it but that's just oh, uh, the kind yeah. of thing i love where you get, i
0: will yeah, I, I will post that to the Facebook group. But the line ever. that that William says, <laughs> the, not... uh, you know, uh, back when I was drinking
1: and using, I used to imagine things that weren't there that were frightening. And then I got sober, and two robots called me and asked me to make an album. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are...
0: I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> 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 and uh, you know, and what the other odd thing, and this. This was a note. I didn't. I didn't think about this till I was writing notes for this episode. You know, the the first time that I was on Two True Freaks, my first podcasting experience ever, was I worked with you, and uh, and and Scott. And I forget who our other guest was when we did the Star Trek Monthly Monday for Star Trek: The Motion Picture. And ultimately, what does V'ger want? V'ger wants human connection. And so that's and so maybe it was ironic. It's like, oh, okay, this is kind of like Viger in that sense, isn't this, it? This song, yeah. That first, the
3: first word of this song could be the moment that that uh, V'ger and uh, Decker
0: merge, uh, yeah. merge
3: together. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. More more 1970s, and this being two Freaks, we have to bring in Star Trek or Star Wars at some point. So I figured, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, and and the other the other note I have is that. You know, at the, I, I said in the, the the second segment of this, when Paul is singing very clean, it really, visually I think of a young Paul Williams from the mid-70s, but the last verse, when his, his voice almost sounds a little haggard, I see, I visualize my head, Paul Williams as he is now, with the glasses and the beard, and obviously, you know, about 35 years older than he was, say, in Phantom of the Paradise, you know, and his voice just has a bit of, of world weariness to it, but it's mm-hmm. still... You know, because it, now he's the pain. It's like you almost convinced me I'm real, but it, it's still optimistic. It's still hopeful, and it, it still fits the the theme of the album so much about about the, what it means to be human and achieving humanity. And I, I love this song. This song picks me up. If I'm feeling, uh, you know, if, if things are going lousy at work or something's got me pissed off, I can I can listen to this and immediately just feel myself rising up out of it I absolutely love this well, song. it
3: ends with like little kids sing along yeah to it
0: that's you I mean you can't and uh, yeah just just fabulous all around and I I mean again I'm bringing my personal bias because I'm such a big Paul Williams fan but this this is this is what sold the concept of the album to me is when I first heard this song so and the and, first uh,
3: the the first time I listened to this album I was just like Luke must have heard about this. He <laughs> has I, I, I? like immediately. I think sent you a message on like Facebook. Going, yeah, you've heard this, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th- it's th- I not the think off our- chance that you haven't. You really need to. <laughs> I'm pretty sure our conversation was on. you heard this, right? Yes, it's awesome. I know. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, I, I I said that this song always picks me up and makes me feel better. Uh, our next song, Ooh, which yeah. is our single, I think can, for most listeners will probably be the same kind of emotional response. And that, of course, is Get Lucky.
1: the
2: beginning
3: is the one this is the one of course i heard you know it was unavoidable on the radio and yeah. i remember the first time i heard this on the radio i did not know it was daft punk i was at work and you know some of the 20 somethings turned on the radio and this came on and they were all everybody was just like bopping along to it and then i was riding home with my boss and her two little kids and it came on and i think it was her kids and one of the other bosses said of kids and all the kids were singing along in the back and then the next day our bass player comes into practice and goes you'll never guess what happened they put Niall Rogers in a Daft Punk song and they're all singing it and like
0: your bandmate sounds like, uh, like Hank Hill from King of the he's, not, he, he, he's actually kind of a tall black guy they put- they put Niall
3: Rogers in a Daft Punk song! <laughs> and then they gave him drugs! <laughs> Oh no, he was he was quite he excited. He's actually fuck. he's more like Geordie LaForge, actually. Oh so. okay, that, that makes sense. But he work, was so. very excited, you know, he's a big <laughs> Niall Rogers fan. He's just like, Do you realize Nile Rogers is back? And it sounds perfect. <laughs> and it does sound perfect. This is the number one hit with a bullet song oh, off yeah, the album
0: the record of the year right here.
3: This is that, that, yeah. this is what this song not not the song itself, but its placement in here this is what cemented to me that this was a insanely well thought out album because you have touch which is the epic you know it's a little emotional journey it's kind of wrenching you know and then you get just a little pause and then boom chank a chank a chank mid tet warm happy song just and it's the big hit and it just sort of comes in and brings you, dejangles you from the last song.
0: Yeah, it's it. You know, you you've made your connection with the humans around you. Now get up and dance.
3: Now, now go have some fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's infectious. It's poppy. It, it's an earworm if there ever was one. It's lovey-dovey. I've got all these just just adjectives, you know, as my notes. It's it's a it's like I said earlier that this that lose yourself to dance is the counterpart to get lucky. They're both disco songs.
3: Well, it's and, it's it's also kind of horny and uh, and lascivious, but in a seventy in that seventies way yeah and it's kinda it's kind in a playful way but you know once you start singing about getting lucky and putting bra- you know brown chicken brown cow guitars in the background yeah. and w- when it works it's that's that's the essence of a dance floor you know
0: oh yeah it's like it's just it, it to me it's no different than Rod Stewart's if you think of sexy you know the same type of approach you said as far as the viciousness you know it's I mean it's, it's, falsetto
3: is always like
0: <laughs> yeah I mean I I've heard this song promoting TV shows and this I hear it on the on the television all the time just as a bit of music just because it's such so, so catchy and so infectious but uh, you know uh, the 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 show super fun night which stars uh, rebel wilson and it's actually a pretty pretty amusing show uh, when 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 it when it gets when when it gets creative it's pretty funny i don't know if it's coming back next year or not that used this as all their promotional material song was get lucky and it fit the theme of that show because it was three introvert girlfriends going out and trying to actually be uh, extroverts so they were going out and trying to get lucky and it actually fit it's like most of the time i wonder if they actually listen to the lyrics before they just heard the beat but again maybe that's the point you know maybe the point is the beat and the guitar and up and dancing and you know the lyrics don't really matter but what matters is that i can feel the rhythm and and get up here with uh, you know on, on the on the floor and and release this energy you know
3: well this song also fits into one of my crack pop mu- music theories and uh and i and i first started forming this in the early days of downloading music on the internet, when I was like, I'm going to get, you know, now you go into a torrent site and go, Beatles discography, <laughs> and you download yeah. it in an hour. But this was like, <laughs> I'm going to hunt down every Beatles song one by one and alphabetically. Yeah. And so I got one of my like music, Beatles sheet music books that had all the titles of every song. And started going through it and then started realizing when I and I was downloading them alphabetically, you know, one at a time, just for the hell of it. And I noticed how many songs had I in it, mm-hmm. me, and they actually had the song I me mine. Yeah. And most songs, <laughs> most lyrics are somebody singing about themselves and uh not that there isn't that on this album, but there's a lot of it, especially with this song. They're singing about they're singing about we. They're basically just singing about humans, yeah. in the royal we, mm-hmm. and that puts it on a different that puts it on a different psychological level, especially with dance music. It, it becomes more of a sort of music that becomes soundtracks, like we were saying earlier, for groups for groups of friends or a big group of people in a park. Right. or that's why it works so well on TV it makes more of an image on on it's, it's 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 so corny but it is it's it's one of those things that links human beings together on the on the primal level you know mm-hmm. on the level that links all humans rather than you know humans who like this kind of music or this kind right. of thing it taps into something really and i think they definitely were thinking about that in in the way in the you know in the the, the way they wrote the songs and the way they mm-hmm. they, they put this together
0: oh yeah yeah it, de- it definitely is that collectiveness mm-hmm. you know sort of which is not not a i don't think for different types of dance music yeah but yeah. It, it's very you know it, it it's it's very a very strong theme here
3: uh delight uh, was like that that ben
0: delight was like that yeah exactly and uh it to to the point where I've I've got some uh, some you know associates of mine that are big into you know the the dance hall scene and the DJ scene and all that and the idea of uh, that when you go to a club you're supposed to face away from the DJ because you're not celebrating the DJ you're celebrating the music and all this type of you know heady kind of hipster bullshit and it's it's like whatever happened is having a good time yeah what why, why yeah why
3: why are you hanging all these rules
0: on the music man yeah. <laughs> And and the other the other thing that you said uh, that that I think really stands out is you you said the you know the, it's kind of corny, and to me again I, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but what what a lot of people I think the, the aspect to me of corniness is that it it comes to it honestly, yeah. You know because well that's if when you, corniness works.
3: When it right. works, it but, works. When it doesn't work, it's it's really it's, cheesy corn. But
0: yeah, then it's then it's almost kitched. Yes. You know, whereas when you can be, I mean, if you're, if you, uh, you know, truthfully and honestly believe what you're saying, even if it's something as, as, you know, basic of, uh, you know, we're up all night to get lucky. You know, that's, that's what the song is all about. Just where I'm up with this girl because I want to get some, you know, you don't get a much more base motivation than that. But if you really believe it, you know, if uh, then 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 yeah, it's corny, but it but it's honest and it's sincere and it's that sincerity that to me makes a song like Get Lucky work better than any other you know number of anonymous upbeat dancey songs that the you know that the Academy of Music wants to hang an award on.
3: And you can take and in the context of this album, you can take it literally, or it could mean a you know any number of things, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could mean meeting the meeting the love of your life, but it's just like. Yeah, and it's also that is basically the primal reason you're out at the dance club dancing a lot right. of the time. Not all. Of the, you, not all the time. I, I shouldn't say that. There's plenty of people who go out there not to meet other people, but it's yeah. That's the vibe of people together dancing.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's harder for dudes to do that, you know. I I, I hate to I hate to talk to, to to reference Dane Cook, but you know, dudes can't say screw this. Let's go dancing, you know.
3: Yeah, there's there's always a couple dudes that that, that, that are like they just go there because they love to dance. But there's yeah, but there, the 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 sad thing is there's there's always more girls and there are guys who are just like I'm just here to dance with my girlfriends and yeah, and forget you know I'm using the music to forget about my daily you know stop grinding up against me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. But still, from the dawn of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true.
3: All right, Keep I think the- we're ready for the uh the next one which is Beyond. Beyond Just, just a straight up one with no guests on it.
0: Yeah. Once and a very
3: super '80s midnight sound.
0: Almost like uh, I mean, the, the the beginning of this is this bombastic, grandiose opening, which sounds like it's either from a movie or a Japanese uh, superhero show. Yeah,
3: it's it's <laughs> it's weird because I have my notes. I have it sound. It starts out with soundtrack strings.
0: Yeah. Like um, film score
3: strings. But then as it goes on, it segues into straight up ELO string arrangements.
0: And and then once the kind of the the bombast is done, we've got a very low key, kind of funky, you know, like you said, 80s uh, overnight radio sound. And um, Paul Williams is credited as a writer on this one. And and you can you can definitely hear his his voice in the lyrics, but to me, this one I think speaks. You hear a little bit of influencing from all the collaborators, you know. You you definitely can hear Nile Rodgers in the guitar. You can hear a bit of Chili Gonzalez in some of the composition. Yeah. You know? you, you every, this one kind of brings it all together a little bit for me.
3: It's almost like what they got from their guests and how yeah. incorporated into themselves what i'm really going to be interested in actually not to sidetrack is what their next album is going to be like what they're going to have to do to top this i actually i hope they don't do this again and do like i i'm not i'm not opposed to them doing collaborations because obviously they all have worked out great on this but i'd like to hear yeah an album that's a product of this album, you know, it, yeah. it really feels like whatever comes next is probably going to be an, uh, uh an evolution,
0: mm-hmm. which, which means they'll continue to alienate the hardcore EDM fans who despise this album.
3: Yeah. Uh, this well, I, this the, album the... is like, this album is like a coming out of the cocoon album. And I, I think like after this, will they'll be trying out their wings and probably going into new stuff. But also probably reaching back in, back into the, into the more past of the of their music, yeah, and melding the two. That's what I would do
0: anyway. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not a highly paid music producer, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> now the uh, the the term I've heard bandied about among the the those not happy with this direction is oh this is the disnification. Of, of Daft Punk and I'm thinking yeah who would who would yeah who wouldn't want to who would want to be associated with a beloved super successful brand like that yeah that's just a dumb business move, yeah.
3: well I <laughs> here, here, here's I I just can't agree with or can't disagree with that more because one of my big if I if I of my of problems I would have with Disney if I had to be like uh these are my gripes with Disney One of my big gripes is Disney's sound design, which is impeccable, (laughs) to the point of almost too impeccable. So when you get like vocals and singing, everything's almost too perfect.
0: Yeah,
3: exactly. And 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 it's it's part of because they just have this huge you know this huge facilities to do it, and they've they've come up with a formula to do it. This 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 one is not. It's really in, insanely well produced, but it's a living, it's living and breathing.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
3: The, people just get mad when their thing, that their secret thing. Yeah. Gets when everybody else gets their secret thing and they have to share.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's true. I mean, I, I remember, you know, I or or when they're, you know, their their band that they have tied their personality to changes their sound yes or temporarily or otherwise you know i i mean i was on the front lines of this when you know megadeth you know my one of my favorite bands of all time and one of the you know the the what do what they what did dave always call them the state-of-the-art speed metal thrash band when they put out their album risk in 1999 which was you know kind of a uh, uh i don't know aor type record almost I mean, if people were on suicide watch, uh-huh. them, it's like, you gotta <laughs> gotta let it go, boys. Just let it go. I say, boys, because they're not. Was there there no
3: episode win. one, basically?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was right around the same time. Oh too. yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that the late '90s were a weird, weird time. <laughs> this song, though, Beyond has, again, just some just some. There's some real good lyrics in this. The lyrics haven't been super uh, heady or deep on this album. But there's some lyrics on here, because this song is actually about music, which I thought is always a little risky. You run the risk of sounding just kind of smug when you write songs about songs, you know? Uh, but but this one, I, I thought, you know, treaded the line nicely. It's like, the perfect song is framed with silence. It speaks of places never seen. Your home is a promise long forgotten. It is the birthplace of your dreams. And again, very much in line with the type of singer-songwriter stuff that uh, plays a big role in influencing the the lyrics on this album and I thought that was uh, that one really stood out and again, it's sung through a vocoder so it yeah. doesn't sound like anything you would have heard on AM radio but the lyrics certainly do.
3: Yeah, I like those lyrics. I like that they' they're they're sort of um, profound in a simple way you know' they're, they're hitting grand themes in a, in a simple fashion which is also, part and parcel of this album
0: Mm -hmm. yep and grandly simple I think is a good description for our next song the instrumental motherboard
3: Yeah, this song reminds me really a lot of these two Thomas Dolby songs. Uh, one of our submarines is missing, and uh, I think it's Mulu in the Rainforest. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's got those African sort of drums, and I, I, I'm not sure if they're synthesized.
0: I don't believe they are. I believe it's 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 a real, I think it's a a regular drum it might have been filtered, but I think I think they pretty much avoided using drum machine at all completely on this album
3: um, this one is
0: it, being an instrumental
3: makes it the first purely atmospheric and once again, it, back to the title random access memories if if and having you know they're pulling up random things out of electronic dancey music past mm. present future this is another this is this is from the electronic this is definitely like we're getting out of the dance world and more into the into the electronic yeah it's not background music but
0: it's more atmospheric music mm. this this almost sounds like it could have been a cut from the tron soundtrack yes in, yes. in a lot of ways and and i i like that you you I'm very glad that you mentioned again the the title "Random Access Memories," because you I, I get the same feeling because we get the kind of steady electronic parts of the song, but then every now and again that pan flute filters through, yeah. like like a stray thought cross, crossing your mind, and then the drums will will seem to kind of ebb and flow. There the amount that you hear them or that they present themselves over the rest of the, the instrumentation. So it's, you know, it, it goes a lot of places. The, uh, you know, the the classic Saturday Night Live sketch with Christopher Walken and Blue Oyster Cult, you know, the, the more cowbell sketch. Yes, yes. He said, one of my, the line I love, that like, really, don't be afraid to explore the studio space. <laughs> you know, <laughs> really explore the studio space. And and that's, you know, in a, in a kind of broad sense, that's what I feel from this song, is exploring the... Virtual studio space yes. trying out different things seeing what it sounds like almost like an electronic jam session to a little extent mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Almost like in in like a grateful dead space performance man Yeah, well,
0: they, they digitized to man the Grateful Dead are plugged in now. Oh wait, that was Dylan. That wasn't Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> You ever watch the show liquid television? Oh, yeah there was a great little short about Bob Dylan plugging in. It's like he's gonna do it, man. He's plugging in, and he plugs in an electronic toothbrush. And I always thought that was. A... I never saw that one. <laughs> it's it's like a little one minute short, and it ends with Bob Dylan brushing his teeth. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> every time I hear Dylan's plugging in, I think of him brushing his teeth on stage. Or...
3: <laughs> It'll happen someday. Yeah.
0: So, uh, but yeah, and uh, but but yeah, I like think I said this one is just it's just different. Different things. It's all very, uh, very moody, very kind of uh, quiet in a way. You know, just just really kind of mood music, electronic, like you said. And uh, I think this one ties very, very nicely with the song that follows it, which yes. is "Fragments of Time."
3: They almost, they almost just sort of merge together in my mind a lot in a lot of ways. For some reason, they're two totally different songs. But yeah, the way but- they, it, you know, it's almost—it's it, almost as if the um, motherboard song just evolves into the beginning of the
2: mm-hmm.
3: the the fragments of time song. Because the fragments of time is whew, that take the, it, this takes me to the most specific time period of all of it, and this is a, the late seventies summer. run like a new Todd Rundgren album has just come out. It's very the the um I don't know who Todd Edward is.
0: Yeah, I'm not I was not wondering
3: sure. if it might have been actually Todd Rundgren and they just maybe Edward is his middle name or something. Cause man, this sounds like Todd the the way the vocals are sung, Todd Rundgren is like to me the ultimate clean studio pop singer yeah. Who's not devo- who has so has has a little bit of white boy soul, mm-hmm. and uh, but just has a very. It, it's an amazing voice, but when it's copied, it sounds uh, pasteurized and, mm-hmm. and generic. But when Todd Rundgren does it, there's a yeah. color to it, uh-huh. and this, the chord structure of this, it's it's that pure. Ear candy pop of Todd Rundgren and yeah. with some of the signature sort of chord changes
0: and a pedal steel guitar. Oh my gosh, yes. And and uh, t- um, Todd Edwards uh, actually has, has some history with Daft Punk. He was he did the vocals on the song Face to Face off of Discovery, which is just, I mean that is a, a mid tempo like if a mid-tempo song could be a tour de force, Face to Face is it. And and the lyrics on that are, are really memorable and really stand out, much like they do here. His voice is is cleaner on this track than it is on face to face, but it's it's really something. It's it's good good stuff.
3: Daryl Hall he sounds a little bit like Daryl Hall too, like good yeah. eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Daryl Hall or John I think Daryl Hall is the lead of Hollow Notes. I yeah. can't remember.
0: But uh, yeah, th- this song it's it's just bright. And like you said, makes you think of summer. It's uh, fresh air and, and the "dinner to You know, it's all the. Uh, it it almost sounds it's sunny. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. I, I say it's mellow '70s light rock, but it's extremely well done '70s light rock.
3: This this it, is a if, if my friend if I was trying to sell this album on my friend Mike Cross, who's going to be listening to this, this is the song that I would play for him first to yeah. uh, hook him into it. Literally hook. It's just. Mm-hmm. Hook, sugary, honey-laden hooks dripping off this.
0: You know, we haven't talked much about it, but the bass work mm-hmm. has been kind of very quietly been Daft Punk's best friend on this album mm-hmm. because it's it's been there. You know, normally in the in, in an electronic dance album, the 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 bass drum is your friend because it's setting the beat and it's and it's constant because it's done by the drum machine. Whereas here, the use of not just the the bass drum, but also the bass guitar, and we see it very clearly on this song. I just hear it very clearly on this song. Really does build the backbone like the bass is supposed to, and it's very strong. And and that's one that, again, I, I didn't I didn't necessarily pick it up in my first listen, but at repeated listens with the with the headphones on, then you, you can really start to feel that that bass line and and the importance of it. And yeah, it, like I said, this is just a, a wonderful song. It's it, funny it tith-
3: you use the word backbone too, because I always think of like arm, like guitars being the arms of the music, mm-hmm. drums being the legs, and the bass being the spine.
0: Right? Yeah, that's a good analogy because without the bass, it's it's gonna it's it's not gonna stand upright. You know. And, and your the,
3: spine knows just what to do, when a bass goes, "Bruh."
0: <laughs> well, you, well, you know that uh, there's, there's something about playing a bass. You're not going to get any women, but you know you're important to the band. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, but yeah, this this is a, a great one. And again, this is another one. How is this not a single?
3: And my friend Mike, who I would recommend this song to, is a bass player, so he's oh! hate that
0: statement. <laughs> hey, don't hate the player, hate the game. That's all I got to say about that, you know. Oh, uh, now, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> that, uh, that brings us into our, our next track, which is Doing It Right. Doing it right, everybody will be dancing and we'll feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and be doing it right. Everybody will be dancing on the feeling right Everybody will be dancing and doing it right. Everybody will be dancing and we'll feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and be doing it right. Everybody will be dancing and the feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and doing it right. Everybody
2: will be dancing and we'll feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and be doing it right. Everybody will be dancing on it feeling right kind of everybody will be dancing and doing it right everybody will be dancing and will feeling it right everybody will be dancing and be feeling it right everybody will be belly feeling your right everybody will be dancing and doing it right everybody will be dancing and will feeling it right everybody
0: will be dancing and be feeling it right everybody will be belly feeling you're right kind of a chant yeah very much so and and what's interesting is you know on um uh, on Giorgio by marauder he talks about putting the click in mm-hmm. and then the, you can hear the click on the track on this one now is panda bear is he another dj uh i'm not familiar with let's see he's an experimental musician and founding member of animal collective
3: oh my god i'm familiar with animal collective they're a weirdo but they're a, they do great music they're weird but in a, in a fantastic way.
0: I love it. They do great music. They're weird.
3: They, they are, but you know, you, you know, there's sometimes... I like weird music, but there's so many shades of it. There's weird music that's like, we're doing weird music, or I really liked Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd, so I'm going to be quirky, yeah. too, or I'm going to be very experimental. Animal Collective, I get the, the impression that their weirdness comes from within they, they can't help it so they're 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 like just writing what that what comes out you know and and they're not thinking of it like i want to make this kind of music they just purely do it like that they're they if if you go and look uh, i would highly recommend like going to youtube and just looking up a bunch of their videos their videos are also very imaginative and kind of spooky and primal at the same time but the music's very um is is once again very warm with a little pop in there but it's it's just weird i highly recommend them wow i didn't know
0: yeah see the, this thing's already given you new information yeah to take that's the next very time very
3: listen. interesting and an, an yeah. ex-girlfriend of mine was basically probably still is was running a uh, animal collective news group for years and oh.
0: years now, for those who don't remember news groups, I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- this one of all the songs of the album, this is the one to me that sounds like an old school, and I put that in air quotes, Daft Punk song. Um, like I said, very- the chanting lyrics, the, the very kind of straightforward use of the synth. It- the tempo is a little bit slower than I would have expected from, like, say, Discovery or almost or uh, Human After All. Mm-hmm. But but it's definitely- still
3: fitting in the- into the tempo of the whole album
0: yeah and it's and it, it, it's a good it's it's definitely another dance floor track and I, I don't know that this one would translate well to being a single it, it's it's a little too uh repetitive i think but that's that's not a problem when you're in the dance hall in fact in a lot of ways that's a benefit when you're in the yeah. dance hall
3: <laughs> this is in a weird place and and it's so it's so great talking about a new album like this like uh, uh, with the songs and their place in the album and stuff because like you said earlier, that's a that's an art that's going away now, because that's not how people consume music anymore. So yeah, this is a this is a weird one. It's just sort of it's it's not it's gonna set the world on fire. Um, you know, all the all the the big stars have sort of gone gone home, and uh, they brought out a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's a good place for it, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, and, and we go straight from from that into the, the crescendo of the album with Contact.
1: Hey, Bob, I'm looking at what uh, Jack was talking about, and uh, it's definitely not a particle that's nearby. It is a uh, bright object, and it's uh, obviously rotating because it's flashing. It's uh, way out in the distance. Apparently rotating in a very rhythmic fashion because the uh, flashes come around uh, almost on time. As we look back at the Earth, it's uh, up at about 11 o'clock, about uh, maybe 10 or 12 Earth diameters. I don't
2: know whether that does you any good, but there's something out there.
3: Perfect, perfect, and, and here, here, here we go with the fastest song. <laughs> yeah. On the album, this one gets ahead of steam going on it. I love this song. I love the. I love them going out on just sort of a bombastic, mm-hmm. um, ch- cheesy. It's 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 kind of cheesy, cheesy, mystical feel yeah. to it.
0: You, you, you talked already about ELO. I definitely get the ELO vibe with the with the audio sample at the beginning.
3: Oh, yeah. From, well, from well, the,
0: the transmissions from space. Of, it's of like
3: Na- NASA UFO recordings. Yeah. And it's called Contact. So then you hmm. automatically are playing out this little movie of U- UFOs like circling the earth and stuff. And then when that, um, that big synthy – when it just kicks in. Yeah. It reminds me, it synths, but it reminds me of the strings at the beginning of uh, the ELO album, uh, A New World Record. Mm-hmm. It just starts with a hum, but then it goes into a boom, 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 boom. Just this big, majestic, semi-angry orchestra sound. And that's what this this... But this has more of a feel of like they wanted that sound but they couldn't hire the orchestra so they just turned the synths up to the point of distortion and
0: yeah yeah and and what's funny is uh you know on that nasa ufo recording the one of the one of the people on it says that it's it's rotating because i could see the lights at a periodic all that made me think of again was a record on a turntable
3: yes a record on a turntable and a
0: beat yes exactly. And and that's imagery that Daft Punk has used. We've mentioned before, Interstellar 5555. The end of that, and this is a little bit of spoilers if you haven't seen it. But the end of that film uh, pulls back. We have been in this science fiction universe for the whole film, and it pulls back and pulls back and pulls back, and it pulls out of uh, the album Discovery spinning on a turntable. And and it's you know, but so that imagery of the spinning record for guys that work in Dance music that work as DJs. The spinning record is a hugely important yeah. visual, and they do a great job of just very subtly suggesting it. They don't beat you over the head with it, and it's not even something that they recorded. It's 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 uh, you know archival uh, audio to suggest the idea of we're seeing something out there, and it's the image that you get is is the record on the turntable. Ah, uh, this 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 uh, this song itself is. I mean it 's equal parts electronic and like you said, just kind of orchestral uh, cheesiness and uh, prog rock experimentation yeah. and all it, it just comes together so wonderfully. I mean, at one point we 've got guitars and cymbals and, and synthesizer and drum, and it all just it all works together and it shouldn 't but it does, and it just keeps building and building and, and I saw a review I forget where I saw it that said, you will see this as like a big multimedia the soundtrack to a big multimedia finale, to yes. the Olympics, or mm-hmm. you know, a Super Bowl halftime show, or this something is, like that. This is the
3: fireworks show blowing
0: its load at the end. Exactly. Yeah. That's who yeah, Get we should get Daft Punk to play at the Super Bowl. Well, that would be something.
3: That would be something. <laughs> See, if I were Daft Punk, I would just take all my friends and teach them how to DJ all the Daft Punk stuff live. And get yeah. about forty-five people in Daft Punk, so all they had to do was slap on the. Yeah. thing and just sit <laughs> and pl- sit in the studio and do do the thing because these guys, that's their life. That's what they love. Is not, you know, being out on stage. I don't think. Yeah, you know, I don't want to speak for Daft Punk, but just in yeah. general, a lot of the people I know that have done this, the joy they get in it is in the studio, crafting and and building stuff like this.
0: And this, uh, this is just like I said. I mean, from again, we 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 talked about this at the top of the show. A this this is an album. It's experienced as an album. Taken out of out of context, this song doesn't have the same weight. Or to uh, you know, as we always talk about, Mike Boutique, gravitas. Yes. Of. Uh, of of when you listen to it in context where you've built up to it where we we started out with saying you know uh let's give life back to music and now we've got our finale where where all the all this life and all this energy that we've given to the music is all going to just explode it's almost you know it sounded a little risque, a little orgasmic if you will yes you know it's uh and it, it it's there's no other way to say it but it's it's a climax it's a crescendo and it's it's wonderful and you know, after listening to this, it's, this, and it's this is a an little bit cheesy,
3: if, which makes it yeah. a little bit, it gives it a little bit of levity, which is always oh, yeah. nice to go out at the end with, like a little smile on your face, you know.
0: Yeah, it's it the the message of this album was you know to to make to get in touch with humanity and have fun, and and that's what again the, the cheesiness adds to that totally because it it's 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 not super heavy again it, it's it's light it's light but really well produced and it's it's kind of a hard line to to balance because you can get light and then you turn into i'm not going to name names but you know pop acts that are derided constantly in most media or you get too heavy and then you lose any type of um, you know light appeal a crossover appeal you might have right right so it, it's it's definitely a, that 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 fine line that you gotta that you gotta walk well, and,
3: I think out al- like Ferrell Williams does that happy song, right? The is he the one who does that? Yes, because I'm happy song. I think yeah, that's, that's definitely like coming right off this album. You know, it's the- another one of those just sort of he's singing about himself, but it's not not really. He's si- he's singing it in a universal way. It's yeah. one of those songs that just is very simple it's 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 this generation's don't worry be happy yeah not quite as annoying as don't worry be happy or uh, i just called to say i love you you know yeah simple simplicity just it's a simple hook simple Mm. beat simple message yeah and it's delivered you know straightforward with no irony no, no guilt associated with being happy or anything. Yeah. It's just straight up, and uh, it it just sort of fits into the feel of this. I'm hoping that that's a good a trend that's going to be uh, showing up more in, in modern music.
0: Yeah, just you know, music for the sake of music.
3: Yeah, or people and, who are sick. Of, I I think our music since the eighty since the late eighties starting in the 80s, really badly through the 90s, in different ways, has been just so up the artist's collective asses. You know, with grunge was about the misery of the grunge people, and, and you know, in the last ten years of rap music and stuff, it's all been about, you know, uh, amassing money and firearms and vaginas and, and such, yeah. and... I'm hoping that maybe society as a whole is like, okay, it's time for maybe something more of just general appeal, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. yeah You know that I mean, uh, the, the, even even the state of rock music. You know, uh, Weird Al has a polka on one of his albums where he does all the, you know, Nickelback and Godsmack and all those bands. It's called Angry White Boy Polka. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> that gives you an idea of the target audience for a lot of these acts nowadays. Yeah. It doesn't have, you know, rock acts used to have universal appeal. And, and, you know, this album, this album by two robots known for doing electronic dance hall music has to me has universal appeal.
3: Oh, it, it must have because I'm not a big fan of this kind of music. And this album is like, boom, right in right in with the big boys now mm-hmm. in my mind. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it. I mean, I this it uh it just just a joy to listen to. But yeah, I I absolutely I love this album. I I need to. I I. Those who may be in our Facebook group may have seen. I've made a couple of posts. I've I found a few. I, I'm in the Upstate of South Carolina, and in Greenville, we are fairly lucky. We've got a decent number of shops that sell new and used vinyl and you know but they're all they're always tied to a used bookstore and i love used bookstores and i always go a couple of times a week to my different used bookstores and, you know and i'll end up going through the vinyl and i, I find stuff and it's like oh man I, for, for four bucks i can't pass this up you know and i'll and i'll bring it back and it's like i don't have a turntable to play this on so i've got this kind of frustrated thing going on where i've got these you know these LPs sitting upstairs in my in my bonus room, and I have uh, no turntable to play them on. You
3: you so. inadvertently set set me up to to plug Garage Sale Gloat, which is coming back because I'll be looking for a, i have I I've I've since I know a guy who just like buys turntables, but um, about a year ago, just after a few years of garage selling, I literally had a stack of turntables <laughs> in my in my eBay room. So I'll be looking for a decent turntable to. Yeah, because uh, and now they're making turntables that hook right into your computer, that right? Are, that yeah. are decent. They're good turntables and they're cheap,
2: right? And yeah. uh, I mean, I've
3: got I've got one of those now. This summer I'm going to be stocking up on vinyl. When I first heard this album, my first thought was, I want to go out and buy this on yeah. vinyl. This must sound so good,
0: yeah. On that's
3: a fresh vinyl album.
0: Oh yeah that that's exactly where where i was headed with that you know is this one even more so than the heavy metal that i listened to or the yacht rock or the Mm -hmm. you know the 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 70s stuff any of that this album is one i want to hear on vinyl because i've I've heard it on you know digitally several times and i I keep hearing people talking about this and i and i want to i want to experience that you know and and maybe maybe it won't maybe it'll be again like Chris versus drugs maybe it'll be you don't notice anything at first, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but maybe you will and that's that's the experience I want to have. Uh, ironically, one of the albums that I did find for four bucks that I couldn't pass up was um, uh, uh, just an old fashioned love song by uh, Paul Williams, his first solo album. So <laughs> I couldn't pass that up for. For uh, for four bucks, no. Again, even though I have nothing to play it on.
3: <laughs> no, just hang hang on. Someday, someday yeah. they'll make a record player. I guarantee it. That will be like a laser. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. It'll just read. It'll just read the grooves in there and translate them into in, into you know the the sound and right. We'll just simulate a ne- needle, and
0: uh, it'll just be basically an app. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's it's you know it, it's funny reading, uh, and I don't want to tangent too much here, but you read some of these blogs and forums for these uh, turntable, these audio files. Yeah. That's what they always refer to themselves as, and in in uh, it it's funny just the different ways that. Things are defined. And what, the, what I mean by that is I put in a Google search, best budget turntable, okay? And he finally is like, well, if you want even a basic entry-level turntable, you need to spend $400.
3: Exactly. And
0: it's exactly. like, mm, you're missing the point that I'm shooting for here, pal. I
3: want to hear the music. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to play my record without destroying it. Yeah. That's all, at the right <laughs> speed
0: and, and reliably. That's it. Yeah. 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 So, but I don't but need we can the do the strobe
3: lights on the side, so I can perfectly sync the speed.
0: Yeah, I don't, and I don't need. Uh, it's like, oh, and, and once you get that, then you need your two hundred dollar receiver and your thousand dollar speakers.
3: Oh, and once you well, once you buy an expensive turntable, uh, then you acquire the cost of the needles, which are yes not mass <laughs> as mass produced anymore and are extremely expensive. Not yeah, to,
0: compared to what they used because, to. Be, or yeah. the
3: cartridges, or what, you know, right. what have you.
0: You know, all I know is that I used to have a a little record player with a built-in speaker that I had when I was a kid. I have one of those. Yeah, that I would play my, um, like, Disney, uh, you know, read and listen type records. I still have a couple of them upstairs. I actually have my Black Hole one upstairs Mm -hmm. still with the record still. Uh, But I I used to have that. It's like, I would kill just to have that back. Because that's exactly what I need. I mean, I, uh, I'll tell you the
3: truth. I've got one exactly like the, the one I had a, as a kid. The The ones that are uh, the Fisher-Price ones are really – there was a Fisher-Price battery-powered one mm-hmm. that is in big demand because people like – to. you can take it to a record show, <laughs> yeah. pop a record right down on it, and it's got a speaker built into it. Mm-hmm. But mine is just a Sears model, and it's – yeah, it's a little plastic cabinet. You open it up. And yeah. It's got the, the, the arm so you can stack up a couple and it would have a plastic adapter, not like the round peace sign sort of ones, but, you know, this long cartridge thing that you would stick on the central cord to, to play 45s. Yeah. And I, I'll, if I'm like downstairs in the kitchen cooking or washing dishes or something, I'll haul that thing down there and mm. and play my records on it. The the. It's not a insanely great needle, but I'll tell you what, I used to have one of those when I was a kid, and I still have the records that I yeah. used to play on it constantly, and they still sound fine. So. Oh,
0: yeah. And and you see what we're doing here. We're accessing our memories. Randomly. Randomly, that are tied to music.
3: Well, it's funny. When I first saw the title of this al- album, I thought it was Random Access Memory. Yeah. And then uh, uh, a few weeks ago, I just, for some reason, my eye just caught it. And, you know, I'd been reading it all along, but my brain right. just would go random access memory, and I saw it was random access memories. And I was like,
0: oh, <laughs> that's a very
3: good title.
0: Yeah. And, and, and really, that's to me, that's always been the power of music. And we talked about this on The Vault when we talked about the, uh, the horror soundtracks, that music, even more so than, than anything visual, can create the pathways in your in your brain to bring you back someplace immediately, just yes. like smell. Smells the same way, yeah. but it's harder to harder to mass produce smell. You yeah. Know? Uh, but but with with music, when it it, it has that ability to, to hear that and immediately be transported, and that's what this album, even if it's someplace that's not necessarily a memory, maybe it's just someplace emotionally, mm-hmm. it can transport you there very easily, and it can take you to different places, track by track. You know, uh, song by song to different places and give you all the feels, as the kids like to say, you know, uh, over the course of the, you know, 74 minutes that you're listening to
3: it. Especially if you're an old cadre like us, it actually (laughs) was around when uh, the the sounds that this evokes were happening. I wonder what a 20 year old. Well, then then again, the 20 year olds have heard that music, you know, it's, it's around and they've been hearing it since, but. You don't get the. They probably don't get the immediacy of like bringing you back to something, it, it, bringing them back to the first time they heard "Like a Virgin" by Madonna. Yeah. Be last week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for all we know. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But the, the I mean, everybody. I haven't seen anybody who had this album hasn't just tickled pink from little right. kids to you know twenty somethings to thirty and forty year olds.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, you you folks out there if you haven't haven't listened to this one you can find it online if you want to listen to it I, I found it on on uh, on an archive site that's an org I'll just leave it at that and uh, but you know go go to com and use the amazon.com like and just buy this record well
3: i'm i'm <laughs> I'm suspicious that this might be one of those albums that got released that they just released also into the public domain
2: because yeah. it
3: seems to be all over the place like just yeah. sort of sitting up on the internet all over the place without anybody taking it down or
0: well, I, you know I, without I know any that, any
3: being subtle about it you know
0: yeah I know that Daft Punk is, has I know they have kind of a rep for being pretty cool about that yeah uh, a lot of their like songs that their their mixes that they would play live that were you know never released on albums but they exist as fan recordings they they don't seem to have any problem with Mm -hmm. um i know i forget what the name of the they they did a big concert once i think it was like they were the headliners of a festival or something and they were asked well are you ever going to release a a video of that because it was such an amazing performance and their response was that we don't think we could do any better than the fan edits and that you know they've kind of embraced that you know and 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 then again this is an album that, again you can readily find online and it's and it it hasn't hurt the sales any right right this is an album that people listen to and then go oh crap i need to own this yeah
3: well this uh, this is a kind of i you know it's like my entertainment dollar is spread thin and especially with things like a new godzilla and planet of the apes movie coming out yes. it becomes even thinner for buying music it's going mm-hmm. more towards movies so but this is, this is something and this is something I would like to buy on vinyl. I would, yeah. you know, but I would, I would buy the CD to this. It's like when my, one of my favorite bands, camper van Beethoven, they come out with something new. I could easily just download it, but I buy it every time because mm-hmm. it's yeah. one of my favorite bands and they're putting out an album.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. People make fun of me for still buying CDs, but, <laughs> and, and, uh, and and part of the reason that I do that again, one is supporting the band, and and two, it to, especially for a lot of the music I listen to, it's the eph- it's the ephemera, you know, it's yeah. the liner notes and the art, and that's even more true with the uh, with vinyl, you know, it's it's flipping through the stacks of vinyl itself is an experience. And Pick hey, up- you're,
3: you're talking on the Two True Freaks podcast. There's that collector gene, yeah, that makes mm-hmm. you want to see it sitting in its place next to. The other ones, you know, so in yep, its yep. context,
0: <laughs> yeah, stacked up in order. Yeah. Oh man, but yes, yeah, this, like I said, if, if folks, if you haven't listened to this one, give it a listen because then you're gonna buy it, and uh, at least, at least that, <laughs> that's my prediction. I'll put that out there. <laughs> I know, I know, that's what I did. Thank so.
3: you, Kreskin. <laughs>
0: I'm like uh, the amazing Karnak.
3: I predict <laughs> if you are female, you will become pregnant when you listen to this album.
0: <laughs> Somebody's going to get lucky.
3: <laughs> and also, before we go, um, I'm looking forward to some metal on uh, on some yeah. play here. So uh, I've been meaning to get after you and Hero and Scott Riefund. Mm-hmm. Need to get some well, metal I, up in here.
0: I think we know what band Mr. Scott Riefund might be cover
2: this place isn't used to having rock and roll in it like i was telling you before this is
1: your night you don't have to stay in your seat you can come up here you can
2: touch us i want to touch you you can come up here if you want to i said so
3: yeah it might be interested in talking about
0: (laughs) yeah i i I know i am totally looking forward to him talking about winger you know it's it's just one of those things it's meant to be
3: (laughs) and i mean the hair metal hero seems obvious but you know i mean i could see him i could see him doing a commentary on a john denver album
0: yeah well, we, well, you and I—we've we, got a metal album uh, on the books, but it needs to wait a couple of right, episodes right. It has to, to be one, thematic.
3: Speak it, yeah, speaking. It, yeah, if we're going to call the show long play, we might as well—we might as well be thematic in our episodes too, like a good <laughs> record.
0: Yes. Well, uh, that—that's all the hint I'll give is that it, it's metal <laughs> with a number. Go figure it out, internets. But
3: <laughs> there's a few of those, so that should keep me yeah. in for a while.
0: Oh man, but yes, this uh, the, I, I tell you what I, the, the show you and uh, uh, that you guys did about about are we not men we are Devo I, I must have listened to that episode three or four times. Just fantastic hearing you guys talk about the music scene, um, you know, and, and hearing Bob talk about his experience.
3: Yeah, that's well. That was what's great about having Bob on that show is it's 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 coming right from a place where he was there and interacting with the you know with the music around him and with the music even you know so the the that's exactly you know what we need for a long play so yeah that was a fascinating episode and that had me uh, like stalking devo videos (laughs) and stuff on the internet for for you know weeks afterwards yeah
0: well, I tell you what, this uh, listen to this one will get you looking into more Daft Punk. Yeah, it too. definitely it will. will. Because I'll tell you what, after listening to this one, I, I'm not going to lie, I gave Discovery another spin, and I hadn't listened to that, that in a couple of years. It's
3: funny, that's exactly what I did, because uh, while well, I was listening to this the other day on uh, Facebook, somebody posted the whole album up, and then I just backed up to my search, and the, the, the video right under it was Discovery, and I said, oh, I'm going to listen to this, and I'm like, oh, this is immediately <laughs> immediately likable. Yeah. so oh, yeah. I'm probably gonna explore the whole catalog.
0: Yeah, you can't go wrong with good music, you know. And uh, and and to bring it back to Paul Williams, what's the line that Philbin says in Family of the Parrot? As a song is a song, you either dig it or you don't. Relax and have fun.
3: Relax, <laughs> man.
1: Just an old-fashioned love song Playing on the radio And wrapped around the music Is the sound of someone Promising they'll never go
2: You'll swear you've heard
1: it before As it slowly rambles on and on No need in bringing them back Cause they've never really gone just an old love song. Down three part Just an old love song. I'm sure you
3: and if you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2 truefreakscom to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. You'll
1: swear you've heard it before as it slowly rambles on and on. No need in bringing them back because they never really gone. Just an old-fashioned love song harmony Just an
2: old-fashioned
1: love song One I'm sure they're
0: and me Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O T-R-U-E F-R-E-A-K-S You
3: can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com